Greetings, friends. Good to see all your smiling faces. A few I haven't ever seen before, but it's good to meet you. I bring you greetings from the, the Houston Church of God. And uh, we have two of the ladies that also attend there, my wife and Paula's there in the back. But it's great to see you guys. Um, as you all know, I'm, as you all know, I, uh, on the, on the board, the BSA, so I brought some free magazines if you guys want to take one. Okay. So why are the lessons concerning the Days of Unleavened Bread important? Well, we just finished it, finishing up the Days of Unleavened Bread, right? This is the last day. So by now, we've put the leaven out of our house. We've done a good search. We've made sure there was no leaven hiding anywhere. If you're like, like us, we usually find something, usually after the Days of Unleavened Bread, something we missed. But the question is, is all of this symbolic? I mean, if you're on the outside and you're looking at what we, what we do during these days, you're going, why does God care if they've got leaven in their house? That's just strange. Well, we know that God doesn't do anything without a purpose. And because of that, we also understand there's a great deal of symbolism in what God does. He's trying to remind us of things that are supposed to be happening in our lives. One of the things that's supposed to be happening that is symbolic is, is putting the sin out of our life, right? That's what we understand these days to mean. It's a little bit more than that. It's actually a changed attitude towards sin. We put that, that attitude towards sin out of our lives so that we don't try to get anywhere near the sin. It's the changing of the attitude that's important. But more importantly, we do, the, we do this all the time. So when we're getting the leaven out, it's an exercise that's supposed to remind us we're supposed to be getting this stuff out of our lives too. We're supposed to be as diligent as we are about finding the leaven with getting sin out. And quite frankly, sometimes we lose track of that and during the year and we'll let things slip and then we'll remember, oh, I got to get back on path and, and repent of the things that we've done. You know, I, I joke about it, but I get on the freeway and sometimes I lose my Christianity in Houston. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's rough in Houston. But it's, it's like exercising. You know, to get stronger with your muscles, you have to exercise them. You can't sit in a chair all day long and expect your muscles to be strong, right? Well, to exercise our spiritual strength, we have to be constantly working at it, putting out the things that interfere with our spiritual growth in our life. And this is kind of what the day is about. If you don't mind, I'm going to move that down. It's right in my face. <laughs> So we need that, that repetition, that continually working in our lives to put the, the, the sin and the attitudes towards sin away from us so that when the time comes, we don't have to practice anymore. And there is coming a time, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, there is coming a time when we're going to need to have that practice down. We're going to need to have it so firmly entrenched in our mind that we don't get anywhere near the sin. And the reason for this is what's coming. Now, we hear a lot about the mark of the beast, right? It's kind of confusing to the world. They don't know. Oh, 666, that's the mark of the beast. Well, it, those of us who study the scripture know that is not the mark of the beast at all. And we'll get into a little bit of what that is today. But the important thing is that as we get 
closer and closer to those days, the world's going to become more and more chaotic. It's going to get worse and worse. And as Jesus said, in those days, it, if, it were even, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. So we know that Satan is going to be deceiving the entire world. In fact, Revelation 12, 9 says that. I didn't, it's not in my notes. <laughs> Don't go there. I'm just throwing it in here. Uh, it says that, Jesus, uh, that Satan deceives the whole world. And we know that. And so as we get closer to those days, the deception is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's part of what we'll go through today. If you want to turn back to Revelation 14, 9, we'll see that the, the inescapable conclusion is that the mark of the beast is not that number. We're going to see what it is today and why the, the days of unleavened bread are so important to deal with this problem. Revelation 14, 9, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, that, that's who's going to be worshipped, and his image, and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same, that's the same any man, shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. That's why you don't want that mark. We don't want to drink of that wine. We want God's wine. We don't want the wine of the wrath of God. We all know what wrath is, right? It's not a good thing. Okay. Skipping down to verse 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So how do we avoid getting that mark? Keeping the commandments of God and having the faith of Jesus. That's how we avoid it. Well, that's simply said, but what does it mean to keep the commandments of God? It means keep all the commandments of God. That's what it means. We're here on God's Sabbath, annual Sabbath, right? Because why? Because God says to be here, right? God says to be here. And we love our daddy, so we want to do what he says to do. Okay. So that's how we avoid getting that mark, is keeping the commandments. So when we're putting sin out of our life all of this week, in mentally, by putting the leaven out, we're practicing putting the sin out of our life all year. And that's how diligent we have to be. Because if we're not, if we're lackadaisical with God's commandments, oh, God will understand. We get that, that kind of a lackadaisical attitude. Then when it comes time to really be strong, we won't have that strength. We have to exercise that muscle, that spiritual strength. Uh, Revelation 12 and verse 13. For three and a half years, we're going to have to resist what Satan is doing in this world. We're going to have to recognize what the sin is and not be a part of it. Three and a half years. Well, unless, you know, we get killed off early. But <laughs> I'm hoping that happens to nobody. But there are going to be some martyrs. We know that from the scripture. But for three and a half years, Satan's going to be strong and he's going to have these two beasts who are going to be able to deceive the world. In Revelation 12, 13, the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth. He persecuted the woman. Well, we all know that the woman symbolizes the church uh, in uh, prophecy. So we know that Satan's going to persecute the church. Well, if you're part of the church, you can expect persecution. It's just that simple. That's what the scriptures are saying it right there. He's going after the church. And if you're aware, he's going after the church now. He's been going after the church for some time, 2,000 years or so. And he's just getting stronger and stronger. Okay. 
uh, verse 14 says that he's uh, in place for a time and times and a half a time. That's three and a half years. And in verse 17, it says that the, the dragon was wroth. There's that word again. He was wroth. He was angry. That's, and it's more than angry. It's, it's a, a blind anger. You know how you get so mad? Well, maybe we don't do that. But in the past, perhaps, in my other life, I might have gotten so mad I couldn't even think straight. That's the kind of anger we're talking about when we're talking about Satan here. Who does he go after? Those who, have the, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's in verse 17. So, again, the commandments of God are coming up. What do we do when we break the commandments of God? We sin, right? You've just come through the practice of putting leaven out that symbolizes the sin and the attitude of sin. So we've got to be having this year-round attitude towards sin that we're constantly looking for it and putting it out. Looking in the scriptures, finding out where we're making a mistake, and getting it out of our life. Okay, Revelation 13.1. So we can see from this set of scriptures in Revelation 13 that this beast is a tool of the devil. The devil is going to create him, and he's going to create actually several beasts. Uh, we see the first one rises up out of the sea in verse 1 there. And verse 2 says the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. We can see that coming. We can see right now people are clamoring for ease. They, see, they look around like we heard earlier today, or yesterday, I can't remember, that because of the inflation, people are clamoring for a one-world people to step in and come together so there will be no more inflation. Well, our antenna ought to go up when we hear one world because that's exactly what Satan wants, one world. Makes it easier to persecute us. Okay, so they worship the dragon, verse 4, and they worship the beast. Two, two different worships here going on. And they said, who's able to make war with him? In verse 5, there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given him to continue forty and two months. That's that same three and a half years we were talking about. But he's speaking great things and blasphemies. So we have to have our antenna tuned to what's blasphemy. We know blasphemy is a sin because it's speaking against God. So when we hear these words coming from these beasts, we need to recognize that this didn't come from God and, and be able to walk away from that. Okay, and it says in verse 6 that he uh, blasphemed against God, against God's name, and his tabernacle. Okay, verse 7. It was given to him to make war with the saints and overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. All. Notice that word all. Power was given to him over all. So is there anything out there besides kindreds and tongues and nations? No, that's everybody. If you speak a different tongue, if you live in a different nation, it says it's over, he's over all of them. That's the kind of power that Satan is going to give to this beast. And then it says that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Well, what do we know about the worship that's not applied to God? It is a sin, right? If you worship something that's not God, that's a sin. Right, back to Exodus 20. Okay. All right, skip down to verse 11. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke as a dragon, 
So this is a de deceptive beast. This is another beast besides the one we were just talking about. And he spoke as a dragon. So he looks like something good, like a lamb, but he speaks like the devil. So he's going to be speaking against, uh, speaking against uh, what God has to do. And we know that in Revelation 12, 9, the, that the great dragon that's described there is, in fact, Satan the devil. So Satan is the one giving these beasts their power. And we know that if it comes out of Satan, it cannot be good. It's not good for us, and it's certainly not in tune with what God has to say. Okay, staying in Revelation 13, this second beast, uh, Revelation 13, verse 12, the same second beast, he exercises all the power of the first beast. So all that power that Satan gave the first beast, which was over all kindreds and nations and tongues, now he gives it also to the second beast. And notice he says he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. Notice it keeps coming back to worshiping. And we look back at Lexus 20 and says, you don't worship anything but God. So when we talk about those who don't get the mark of the beast, keeping the commandments of God, now we can see the connection. Because it all boils down to getting people to break God's commandments. And in doing so, they will receive a mark. It's whether it's in their hand or their, or their mind and their forehead, it's no, no difference. You're receiving a mark one way or the other, but it's not God's mark. In verse 13 now, Revelation 13, says, He does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, when people see that, they're going to, those who have read something in the Bible, they're going to remember, oh, I remember there was a prophet that called down fire. He was a prophet of God, and he killed all the false prophets. So this calling fire down, this must be from God. But we're going to see it is not coming from God. This is false. And that's why Jesus said it, it, the, the deception is going to be so bad that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. But we're going to recognize uh, that this did not come from God because of what's going on around it. In other words, I could stand up here and say, I'm from God, and we ought to start keeping Sunday. You would know immediately that I'm not from God. Because you can look in Exodus 20 and say, well, when God says keep Sabbath day. And he hurt people for not keeping his Sabbath day right. Right? Okay. Uh, we, we read in 1 Kings 18.38, just the one verse there, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. That's what they're going to associate it with. And in Luke 5.54, we know, excuse me, not Luke 5.54, Luke 9.54, we know that that's not coming from God because Jesus stopped his disciples from calling on that to happen. Remember when they had, they had come into a situation and, and uh, they were not well received and the disciples said, should we call down fire from heaven on them? What did Jesus say? He don't even know what kind of manner you are. That's uh, Luke 9:54. But people will see this fire coming down caused by this beast, and they will be deceived into thinking this comes from God. So he's, he's representing God, so we should do whatever he says. And what's he going to say to do? Worship something besides God. Okay, back to Revelation 13 now. says he deceives them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles. I'm in verse 14, by the way. 
deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. What miracles? Calling down fire from heaven. And that's probably not the only miracle we're going to see. So he had power to do them in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword, and did live. Verse 15 says, the second beast, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Well, that'd be a great miracle, wouldn't it? Got a big statue up here, and he speaks to it, and all of a sudden the statue comes to life. I've seen that in movies. I've seen that happen in movies. People are going to see that and go, oh, this, this must be from God. Meanwhile, he's getting them to worship that thing. And that is not of God. We should worship only God. So it says further in that verse, it causes many who would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So how do we get that mark? Disobedience. Worshiping something that is not God. And that's probably not the only thing that people will be caused to disobey. They already hate the Sabbath day. They already hate the Sabbath day. Okay, verse 16. And he, the second beast, causes all, both small, great, rich, and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he had that mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. I'm here to tell you, that system is it being in, put in place right now. You've heard about these, um, uh, this Bitcoin and things like that that are, that are coming up. These are digital currencies. They're not real money that you can put your hands on. So imagine if the situation continues that they manage to eliminate paper money, coin money, and make everybody get on digital money. How do you control digital money? You flip a switch. Oh, uh, this guy over here, he's talking stuff that we don't want to hear. It's not good for our country, so we'll just flip him off and he, just, he won't have any money. That'll shut him up. That's complete control of currency. That's what digital money is. Now, there are people who are making what they call privacy coins, and I'm not going to get off too far into that. They're trying to get around that problem by keeping it out of the hands of government. But I guarantee you, government's not going to let that happen. Satan is, is in full control. He's going to stop that from happening. So I, I walk into, uh, I go to a Bucky's every day. I love Bucky's. <laughs> I've got a big Bucky's cup in the car. It's about like that. And they got real inexpensive drinks there. So I walk in there every day. But without a fail, I'll be standing in line waiting. And most of the people who are buying something there take a card and put it in the machine and pay for it that way. They don't have cash. They don't have any money in their pocket. They're walking around with a card. That's digital money. At some point in time, they're trying, and they're trying to do that now, is to stop this business of cash. And when they do that, that's going to be the time we're going to see this just take over. You talk about not being able to buy or sell. If you can't access your digital money, you can't buy or sell. It's just that simple. Okay, so we don't want that mark, but unfortunately, Satan's going to do everything he can to make sure that we get it. Okay, Revelation 16 now. And beginning in verse 1. 
we've seen why we don't want that mark. But in Revelation 16, verse 1, it explains it a little bit better. It says, I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your way, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. We don't want to be any part of that, for sure. Pouring out the vials of the wrath of God, no. We don't want any part of the wrath of God. Verse 2, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So everyone who has this mark is at the very end is going to get this sores and, and the, the ugly things when God starts to pour out his wrath on the earth. But those who did not receive that mark are going to be rewarded eventually. They're going to have to live through some rough times. And we can read that in Revelation 20. Um, in verse 2, it says that uh, the angel who comes down out of heaven lays hold on the dragon and seals him up. And then verse 4, it says, He saw thrones, and they that sat on him, and judgment was given. Um, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So we don't want that mark. We want to live and reign with Christ a thousand years. How do we do that? Well, we're going all the way back to days of living bread again. We've got to be constantly looking for the sin. When we find it, it's, all we have to do is take it to Daddy and say, Daddy, I did it. I, I made a mistake. Clean me up again. And he'll do it. He's merciful and loving. And when he forgives, it's what happens to our sins. The scripture said he puts them as far away from us as east is from the west. He says he forgets them. Wow. But we got to find those and bring them to Daddy. That's, how, that's what we have to do. All right. And, of course, in Revelation 5, Tim, it also says that uh, we were made uh, unto our God kings and priests. I'm not going to go there. Okay. But did you know everybody gets a mark? Most of the world is going to get the mark of the beast because they're going to do the things the beast power wants them to do. They're going to worship the wrong thing. They're not going to keep God's Sabbath. Um, as, as you know, when society starts to go downhill, what happens? Crime becomes rampant. What's crime? Well, that's violation of God's law. There's stealing, murdering, uh, lusting after what isn't yours. Those things are all are going to get worse and worse. And in fact, if you live in, in the city, like in Houston, you see it getting progressively worse every year. It's worse and worse. So that's why we need to put this... this uh, the sin completely out of our lives so that we recognize it when it pops up. But everybody gets a mark. You just don't want the mark of the beast. Turn back to Ezekiel 9 and verse 4. Most people don't realize that, that everybody gets a mark. Ezekiel 9 and verse 4. The Lord said unto him, speaking of this angel, Go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Do we sigh and cry for what we see out there in the world? For what our children are involved in? Our grandchildren? Does that make us sigh and cry? It should, if you're paying attention, because they are into some, they're in a sick society. And it's hard for them to resist it without the help that God gives us. So he says, set a mark on the foreheads of those men. They're getting a mark. 
And to the others he said in my hearing, Go you after him through the city and smite. Let not your eye spare, neither have you any pity. Remember we said God's going to open up the vials of his wrath and pour it out. Amen. This is a different description of the same event where he sends out this guy and he's going to go out and just and, and put it on people. He says, go out there and have no pity. Smite them. Slay, verse 6, utterly old and young and both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. If you're not paying attention, you think, well, wait a minute. Mark of the beast is bad. Mark of the beast is good. No, it's a different mark. This is the mark that goes on to people who love God's way, who sigh and cry for the evil that's being done out there. It's a different mark. So we're all going to get a mark. We just want the good mark. We don't want the bad mark. Well, the exercise of, of putting leaven out and then watching diligently not to eat anything leaven is symbolic of the continual exercise that we need to be going through in our lives. Why? Because of what's coming. We won't be prepared if we're not exercising those spiritual muscles now. That's what these days God is trying to impose upon our understanding. Yeah, we got to put the sin out of our life. Yeah, that's true. But it's an exercise that's year-round. It's not just seven days in the spring. It's year-round. We're constantly looking for, is this what God wants me to do? Is this what God says to do? If we don't do that, we're not going to be ready when the real deception starts. And it's coming, and it's coming probably sooner than we like. We're going to all die of the physical death. Either we're going to be martyred, or we're going to just die of old age or, or uh, some disease, uh, and lay on the ground waiting for our resurrection to come. We're all going to die. Let's resign ourselves to that. We're going to die. How do we want to die? Do we want to die with God's mark on us or with Satan's? That's what we have to steal ourselves for. Because we're all going to die. We have to be prepared to die rather than disobey God. That's how we have to come to mentally. And in order to get that way, we have to be constantly exercising these muscles. God says do this. God says do this. God says do this. And it's right in the scriptures. All we have to do is study them. And as long as we're studying them and staying in them and learning, and this is a lifelong exercise, then God will put that mark that is the good mark upon us. With the good mark, we're going to live forever as kings and priests. With the bad mark, we're going to be burned up. Yes, we, we might have it easy for a few years, three and a half years, if we go along to get along. But God doesn't say go along to get along. God says, this is my way, walk in it. That's what we should be doing. And we need to be practicing that. I'm not sure if I put the scripture in here or not. In Romans 8.18, Paul says this, I reckon that the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That verse needs to come to mind whenever something like this comes up. Oh, that looks like a fun thing to do. That looks like it's going to be a hoot. Wait a minute. It's on the Sabbath. Which one are we going to choose? The fun thing that's going to be a hoot to go do? Or are we going to choose to keep God's Sabbath? That's the decision we got to make. That's exercising those spiritual muscles. Paul says, yeah, those things are fun, but they're not worthy to be compared to what's coming for us as kings and priests in God's kingdom. So let's resolve to exercise our spiritual muscles like we've been exercising the, the unleavened bread muscles this past week. 
exercise those spiritual muscles every day in our life, keeping the commandments of God, looking for where we make a mistake. And don't get down on yourself. Don't get me wrong. It's not get down on yourself. It's when you see it, take it to Daddy. Say, Daddy, fix it. It really is that simple. He loves us. He wants us to succeed. That's his whole purpose in having us come through all of this, is to make the right choices so we can be part of what he's doing. So we dedicate ourselves to keep those commandments, and we look for where we don't. That's the part of the, of the God's trying to get to us this week, is to be continually looking. So let's have the faith that Jesus and the Father are more than able to do those things that they've promised. And we know he can. He's called the end from the beginning, right? And we've seen it. And we see that as we're going further and further along, the prophecies are coming true all around us. Prophecies about the end, the end time. And we see Satan getting a stronger and stronger grip on this world. As we say that, we see that, as we see that, we can see that God is right in what he had to say. And his way is the only right way that's out there. So if we do that, Stay on the path, keep those commandments, keep exercising those spiritual muscles as symbolized by this past week. One day we will hear those great words from our loving Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant.